My bad. I'm sorry. I was on the phone. Family, family issues, going through some things. Oh my goodness, going through things. Uh, shoot. <sighs> All right, yo, J. Jermaine. <laughs> my man, thank you for the A on the cash app, brethren. <laughs> you know what? I'm already, I'm already, these comments. Listen, I'm on Jesus time, okay? No one ever says, Jesus, you late. All right, so yeah, I'm here now. I'm here now for the next 90 minutes. We're going to do this thing thing. And um, yeah, I got to go see Oppenheimer tonight. Since we're talking about Oppenheimer, I wanted to go over the uh, the unknown black scientist that helped Oppenheimer and heavily contributed to the Manhattan Project. Now, as a kid, I only knew of two. I didn't know there were 15 of them. And and as much as I love Christopher Nolan, I don't expect him to mention not one black scientist in this movie because it's not about who helped Oppenheimer. It's about Oppenheimer himself. And basically his greatest creation ended up being one of his greatest downfalls. But um, yeah, it's just, I think it needs to be, you know, said because I didn't know it was 15 of them. I only knew about two. Okay. So, I mean, they're better now. Like, oh my God, the bullying thing is real. You know, children out here really getting bullied. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but everybody's good now. Everybody's in a good place. All right. Where, where shall I, where, where do I start? You know what? Let's just jump right into the Jamie Foxx thing. <laughs> Should have called him Weissenheimer. <laughs> Natasha. Hey, hey, Mojo's in the house. Should have called him Weissenheimer. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to the movie, but like I said, I don't, I don't expect any black scientists to be mentioned, any nuclear physicist of melanate of melanated hue to be mentioned, but we're going to cover the 15 that contributed to it. So next in the building. Yeah. This, I, I, reading the Bhagavad Vita. Um, okay. Let's get, let's get right into it. The Jamie Foxx thing. Now you, you guys all seen the IG post and some of you guys raised very good questions. Like when was this recorded? And then I knew he had freckles, but the freckles were extremely prominent because of his light complexion. I mean, he's extremely pale. And then some of you guys noticed the shape of his eyes, his hairline, the fact that his hair grew back pretty quickly, considering he was bald. That's the, the balding thing. That's, you know, hair growth is different for everybody. Um, but you know what? Let's just go ahead and get into it. Because, you know, we have on one side people trying to tell us there's no issue here and i'm like we don't lose ever we never lose like we don't take l's when it comes to stuff like this so let's do a quick side-by-side -side comparison and y'all tell me now this is this is thrown thrown together very quickly now first things first people are gonna say okay well that the the image on the on the right taken from the video could have been messed with that's not the real shape of his head okay okay if you want to make that argument that's fine but no look at the man the shape of this man's head <laughs> this it's very oblong okay and then and then we go back with you know an old version of jamie where is it saying where is it saying yeah i y'all tell me 
that that's old Jamie. This new Jamie. Old Jamie. <laughs> new Jamie. <laughs> old Jamie. <laughs> new Jamie. <laughs> old Jamie. Now Jamie does have freckles. You can't see the freckles. Like that's you know. Even here. He has freckles. Oh, come on. Don't do this. So even here. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Ah, oh, damn it. Where's the picture? Ah, oh, don't do it. Come on. Give me, give me. Okay. So even here, you see the freckles. Now. Are they in the same position? So that'll tell you a lot too. So it, from what I can gather, freckle underneath the left eye. Freckle underneath the left eye, prominent freckles on the left bridge of his nose, which would be our right side. Freckles on the right bridge, uh, left side of his nose. Um, hey, I don't know. The ears look a little pushed back, right? Um, the mouth pretty much looks the same, but the width of his jaw, his jawline, I mean, the width of his mandible basically is extremely wide compared to this one. So wider, wider face, slimmer face. Now, some people, we were in the hospital, we lost weight. You lose weight, but not the shape of your head. You know what I'm saying? Like, not that your head doesn't become misshapen. Okay? Your head does not become misshapen. So, for those that are saying, you know, the side-by-side comparison. He was in the hospital, he was sick. Yeah, I get all that. But still, the, the shape of your head does not change. <laughs> That's very, very, very prominent change. Old Jamie. New Jamie. Old Jamie. New Jamie. We don't take L's. We don't take L's. No, we don't. We don't take L's. All right. Okay. I just had to throw that out there. We don't take L's. Not on stuff like this. Not the same. Clearly not the same person. No. No. Similar. I mean, his hairline isn't even the same. His hairline in, in this video literally wraps around his head. Hairline over here, even though he's had a bunch of hair transplants. But even the hairline is different here. Right? This hairline literally wraps around his head. Yeah. But you know, I'm just here asking questions. So he does have the same freckle on, on the edge of his nose. It's there. But this is very poor lighting here in this video. Very poor lighting. I mean, he's pale as, as all get out, but still poor lighting. But not the same person. We don't take 
else ever <laughs> ever and um so sometime tonight when i get back from watching oppenheimer i will do a breakdown of they clone tyrone i forgot it dropped yesterday or else i would have made time to to watch it but i'll get to it i shall get to it okay all right that's jamie fox that is jamie fox's miraculous recovery from from whatever the hell he he was suffering from that was just so secretive they just couldn't reveal what his illness was which makes no sense to me but okay Okay, all I got to do is go outside here and if I was going to look like me in no time. <laughs> I'm just here to asking questions, you know. Um, Let's see. Yeah, he's only been inside for two months, two and a half months. He, he was sick, you know, but it's all cool. It's all cool, yeah. Say they didn't want to see him with tubes all in him. Okay. So then the sister said he was out playing pickleball, which was a lie. Right? And so he he was never out playing pickleball. Like, don't don't do us like that, you know? But okay. Okay. Now let's get to updates on Carly Russell. Well, uh, how about speculative updates? Let's do speculative updates on Carly Russell. Um, this thing is getting crazier and crazier by the minute. I do expect her to be charged at some point. I stand on that. She will be charged for at least at the very least filing false claims at the very, at the very least. Now here is what they're saying. Okay. So what is being said is, let's see. Okay, her parents are telling police that they are receiving death threats and asking police if they can leave. The Russell's phone have been has been confiscated along with three others via a warrant. Take everything when I present to you guys with a huge grain of salt. Okay, let's continue. Tamar Simmons, Carly's on-again, off-again boyfriend, is apparently filing a restraining order against Carly and her family. Take everything I present to you with a grain of salt. Tamar also received a text message, a text while Carly was missing, saying, hope you enjoy finding Carly's body scattered across the road. The hotel room was reserved four days prior with a prepaid card under the name Chantel Bronx. Chantel Bronx. Carly then ordered food to the hotel that night under the same name Chantel Bronx. Okay, let's continue. Take everything with a grain of salt. 
Later, Carly ordered Slim Jim's Dr. Pepper and a nail kit to the room via Instacart using the same prepaid card. Okay, let's continue. Let's continue. The same IP address from a burner phone used to order the Instacart was the same IP address that sent the message to Tomar. It gets crazier. Trust me on this. It gets crazier. The Russell's lawyer know an arrest warrant is coming and wants to use a psych delay. Okay, here's where it gets crazy. However, he can't use that unless Carly agrees to a 72-hour psych evaluation, but she currently won't agree. Let's continue. Okay, only time will tell where the next twist and turns will lead us into this story. You think it's crazy now? Is this, the, do I want to go with this one? Let me see, do I want to go with this one? Nope, nope, yes, nope, nope. Okay, yes, let's go with this one. Let's go with this one. This is the next update. This is all alleged, all speculation. Take everything with a huge grain of salt. Let's do the, play, the playback speed. Let's continue. Let's go. Okay. Today is Carly's birthday. Word on the street is she's in Atlanta for one last hurrah. Which makes sense because her family was in Atlanta while she was missing. Right? We were all asking the question. Remember they did that, that, second, that second interview. They were like, yeah, we're in Atlanta. And I'm asking, well, why are you in Atlanta if your child is missing in Alabama? But that's another story for another day. Let's continue. Let's continue. With her mom and the few friends she has left. Let's continue. Their neighbors confirmed that neither Carly or her mother are currently at the house. So where's the father? Okay, let's continue. Let's continue. They allegedly told Hoover PD they were going for the weekend to stay with family for their safety. So that confirms that they had asked Hoover PD, could they leave uh, uh, for safety reasons? Let's continue. Let's continue. Friends of Angela Harris and her husband spoke out. Angela Harris was the white woman that came to help lend her services. Neither have received apologies uh, wait, 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 neither have received apologies for Carly's actions and you're not going to not no time soon. Let's continue. Nor have the others that took the time to help search for Carly. The family is maintaining Carly's innocence and her account of what happened. Once again, the parents have no choice but to ride this to die on this hill with their daughter as most parents would. They have no choice but to die on this hill with their child. That's what most parents would do. Let's continue. Let's continue. They're sticking beside her. It's rumored the family has retained Emery Anthony. A high profile criminal defense attorney out of Birmingham. I told you guys when they asked to talk to her the second time, I said they're not going to do that. She's going to lawyer up. I said, the next time she speaks with the cops, she's going to be lawyered up. It was pretty obvious. Let's continue. 
they're expecting things to heat up uh, at the beginning of the week. Okay, what charges do you think she's facing? She's going to get charged. Okay, she's going to get charged. Let's continue. Last update. Last update. Here's the last update. Now, Angela Harris spoke. She said, I'm sorry, but my statement is postponed until tomorrow. I just need some time to process things that I just heard and saw today. So I need a little more time. Okay. Let's continue. Let's continue. Went immediately because I was asked to go and did not hesitate. The family asked me if I would lead um, the command center in search, and I said, absolutely. Okay. Now, here we go. I just want to say, if this is true, I said it. Now, they're on Facebook already passing information. This guy says, wow, when y'all see who she was with at the Red Roof Inn, y'all gonna lose it. All I'm telling y'all is it was not a male. Like Hoover PD said, these are the facts. Now, if this is true, I was the one that said she was at the room with the with the female. I think it's the boyfriend's sister. I still believe it's the boyfriend's sister. She was already complicit when she told the family and the uh, and the local law enforcement, "Hey, I'm on the phone with her. She has this baby." And I'm talking to her now with this baby. That tells me she's complicit. That also tells me I believe she's the one that dropped her off at home. Okay? I'm still sticking with her being with a woman and not a guy. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Let's continue. Let's continue. Surveillance at the hotel shows Carly was not alone. Okay, let's see. Now they're saying, I'm telling y'all, I bet Carly was at the Red Roof Inn with her mama and or that she was the one who took her there. I can't imagine what this lady is feeling. Uh, Angela then says, I'm postponing her statement. Let's see. And they say, I bet she found out the parents knew all along or the rumor about whoever was at the hotel with Carly is one of them. That they intentionally reached out to her for help knowing their daughter wasn't missing. Speculation is on the rise that Carly's mother was there, but that would make no sense to me. I think she was there with a girlfriend. Some some female lover. I'm still going to go with that. My theory. Let's continue. Let's continue. Her mother keeps deactivating and reactivating her Facebook account. Mm. If her mother was there, that would mean Talitha contacted Angela to do a search when she knew Carly wasn't actually missing. This is wild. While Angela says she would do it all over again just to help, this kind soul did not deserve to be taken advantage of. Yeah, okay, yeah, true, true that, true that. Well, I mean, a lot of people got taken, taken advantage of. Okay, 
All right, that is the Carly Russell rabbit hole update. What say y'all? What say y'all? What say you guys? Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Because I got time. You're going to jail. Hey, what time you say? You're going to jail. You're going to jail. He been to jail. He been to jail. I still say she was with a woman, not her mother. But she's going to get charged. She's going to get charged. So for everyone that says she, she walks away from this, how? I would love for someone that believes she's not going to get charged. Explain to me what makes you think she's not going to get charged. Do you understand the, the calamity she caused? You have a lot of law enforcement people with egg on their faces. Are you kidding me, man? She has to be charged for this. All right. Speaking of charges, shout out to YMW Melly. For those of us that were following this case, um, we knew Midway. Oh, come on. Stand, it ain't got it for me. Uh-huh. We knew Midway. Um, it was looking sketchy. It was a 50-50 shot. He was going to beat this case. And sure, well, I didn't say he beat it, but. He got a mistrial. Now, they can charge him within 90 days. Okay, they can charge him. Oh, shit. They can charge him in 90 days. All right, so let's get to the mistrial declaration. So, Melly gets to go home for a hot minute. If they decide to charge him, they just start the process all over again, but... Let's get to it. Let's you're, you're, unable, you're still unable to reach a unanimous decision. Uh, so at this time, uh, what uh, I'm going to do. So we had, we, had a, we had an inkling it was going to be a mistrial when the juror, juror asked the judge, what if the question was, well, what did we do if everybody is split down the middle and nobody wants to change their minds? So you had six, four, six against. It was pretty much deadlocked, leading to a mistrial. We just uh, declare a mistrial, mistrial uh, and uh, indicate to you that uh, how much we appreciate the fact that you were here and will to serve. One thing I try to tell jurors at the beginning of the trial process, all through Board Dire, uh, is how much we appreciate the fact that they're here and willing to serve. Our system doesn't work without getting people from the community to come in here and listen to the facts of the case and make decisions. Uh, these type of decisions, they're hard decisions. And we very much appreciate the fact that you gave us the time because we've been here a long time. We understand that. Uh, you gave us the time and you put your best effort to uh, see and bring the case to a resolution. Unfortunately, it wasn't able to happen. Uh, but I want to thank you again for your time and consideration. So basically, he got the mistrial. He's going home. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to say they don't, um, they don't, re they don't try him again. I'm going to say what he did was, it was, you know, it was, was in good standing. They're going to reward him. Listen, this kid's going to, he was already on the verge of being a star before he got locked up. He's going to come out an even bigger star behind this and they're going to push him. And he's going to be the next big thing. So I don't think they recharge him. I don't see them recharging him. I just don't. I, I don't. 
I think what he did in their eyes was okay. You, you gave us two bodies, we got you. Just go through this, this trial is like a plea bargain type situation where the government just comes back with a reasonable offer. Now, if they wanted the guy on the death penalty, there's going to be no plea bargains to be had, and I don't think the state is going to let this go because it's two kids who were killed. So this is going to be a whole new trial all over again. I can't see it going any other way. I wish um, we could have some resolution. I don't see them recharging him. Once again, they got 90 days to do it. I don't see this happening. I don't see this happening. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with being wrong. I just don't see it happening. This man was on trial for four years. Four years. Four years. Four years. He's going to be a star. What are you, are you kidding me right now? Y'all said the same thing about Travis Scott. Oh, he's done. Oh, is this going to be? I say he's going, he's going to be the a bigger star going through what he giving them them souls in that in that show. I ain't been wrong about that stuff yet. When I say they're going to come out a bigger star, they always come out a bigger star. This kid's going to be all over the place. Everybody's going to everybody's going to want to work with him, do music with him. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He's about to pop all over again. All right. We'll see. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Um, Where do I go next? Like I said, I, man, I'm telling you. He was already on the cusp. For those that listen to that type of music, you know what I'm saying? Like he was already there. This, this is no surprise, you know? Yeah. He we about to be rocking out to some new melly music in a minute all right okay i got all this i'll chop gotta make it its own episode i'll do that later move the trash um real quick dame dash jay-z dame dash jay-z what were their ages when they dealt with Aaliyah? let me let's go look that up real quick once again, I'm not, I told you I'm a lead. I leave the predator talk alone. Like I, I get it. Society. We love young girls. Old men love young girls. That's not going to change ever. Laws be damned. Okay. It's celebrated, tolerated, endorsed, financially incentivized, respected, all that good stuff. Yes. I get it. Old heads love them. Some young girls. I get it. I'm, I'm over it. Y'all don't care about, you know, these laws and clauses now because y'all deal with people that got these on their jackets and y'all don't see nothing wrong with it. okay fine 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 i'm over it how old was jay z with Aaliyah? okay jay z was okay well then this is not bad then so Jay-Z was rumored to be dating Aaliyah in 99. They were 29. Okay. He was 29. She was 20. Well, then this ain't shit then. So then this ain't nothing. So if he was 29, she was 20. There's nothing to see here. Okay. So let's see how old Dame Dash was. Because Dame Dash will not let shit go. Dame Dash has lost so much respect. At least from me. Because he just doesn't know when to shut up. Okay. So he was 29. She was 21. So there's no, I need to redo this title then. There's no predator behavior here. <laughs> but Dame Dash just can't help himself. I didn't look at her like that because she was like a tomboy. She was little to me. But then one time I, uh, she was, uh, I guess we had the same bookkeeper. 
and I walked past. And the thing about Aaliyah was like every time I saw her, she looked different. So she had different looks every time. And I was like, who the fuck is that? And then I realized it was Aaliyah. And then I just threw my A game. And then, you know, I guess Jay was trying to get at her as well. And I didn't know. And then, I was, and then she, like, it got brought up. And I was like, fuck both of y'all. And But it never worked out for them. And we were both, like, trying to get at her. I like kind of eased up, but then we ran into each other. This, this woman it's has been story. there for 20, has it been 20 years? And he still won't let it go. This woman's been dead 20, has it been 20 years? Let's look that up. Yeah, it, the age difference were, it was, they were 29 and she was 20. There's nothing wrong with that. They were 29, she was 20. That's they died yet. Yeah, it's been 20 years. <laughs> so you and Jay was both getting at Aaliyah. Obviously, everybody was getting at, everybody was getting at Aaliyah, bro. Right. She was like, she was like, you know, she'll go to dinner with a nigga, but she wasn't going to just be smashing. So that was like the big deal, like who could get with Aaliyah. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So all, but like, was he bitter? Obviously. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he felt the way. The true reason of Rockefeller's breakup. But that's everybody knows that shit. Uh, like we were both like we were both. I heard it, but I didn't. Yeah, but well, they be trying to act like he was like really fucking with. Now he was sending flowers and doing all the shit that nigga. He was courting her, so we were both going hard, and, so we, right. and we ended up in the same house for Fourth of July. So we were, for some reason this, this day. Wait I'm a minute, like, you, Jay, and Aaliyah ended up in the same house. Yeah, that's funny. Mm. So it was like one day it might lean toward him, and then it would lean toward me. But I was just, I was just on fire that week. Like I was just <laughs> everything I was saying was funny. You know what I'm saying? It was like, and I remember coming downstairs like you know it happened. He was like. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know this is gonna be hard for me because he was like because he was throwing because you know because like you know his friends were laughing this, at him. This dude is corny. Dame is corny, man. Dame is super corny. Let me change this title. And then they're not predators. Then they were twenty nine. She was twenty. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing to see here at this point. Nothing to see here. Okay, let me go back to to Wyan. YNW Melly. So, uh, the jury three days after deliberation couldn't come to a final decision Saturday on Melly's two first degree. If you couldn't convict him on two first degree murder charges, you're not going to waste more money to recharge. This is stop. Nope. We are still unable to reach a unanimous decision. Murphy declared a mistrial as the jury confirmed it was in deadlock on Friday, the second day of deliberation. The jury said it wanted to know what the options were if it couldn't come to a decision. Murphy brought the jury back into the courtroom and read them the Allen charge, a set of instructions given to a jury that believed it's deadlocked. The charges urges the charge urges jurors to continue deliberating before coming to a conclusion. We appreciate the fact that you are here and ready to serve. A mistrial doesn't mean Melly was not found guilty. Prosecutors may pursue a new trial within 90 days of the original trial. In most cases, I don't see it happening. This little, once again, his name is named Jamel Demons, 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 however you want to enunciate it, is accused of shooting to death his childhood friends, Anthony Williams and Christopher Thomas Jr. in an alleged drive-by cover-up after spending the night of October 26th, that's the Halloween energy, at a Fort Lauderdale recording studio. Williams and Thomas were uh, both aspiring rappers with the uh, YNW Collective, were known as YNW Sack Chaser and YNW Juvie. Okay. Yeah, they're not going to try him again. Just I just don't see it. The overall picture puts Mr. Demons, Demons, Demons in the backseat of a Jeep 
It puts him holding a gun. We don't need a murder weapon to know that he committed these two crimes. Well, if that's the case, you wouldn't have a, a deadlocked jury. You wouldn't have a mistrial, right? Um, Audenstein questioned why Bradley was scrambling to get another DNA test just weeks before the trial. Yeah, they, they, had, no, they had no DNA. I mean, he the perfect murder. This kid committed the perfect murder. They're going to reward him handsomely. He gave him two bodies, two close personal friends. This kid's going to be a superstar. This kid's going to be a fucking superstar. Literally overnight. He's already in the studio right now. He's already in the studio right now. Laying it out. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Uh-oh. Aaliyah was pretty in the face. But she didn't handle by, you know, and even, but she was in, in the sad truth about Aaliyah. She was an industry whore. Nobody wants to talk about this. She was a pass around. She was an industry pass around. That was semi-talented. Nobody wants to, you know, really admit the truth about it, but it's all good. Okay. Where, where am I? Where am I at? Let's see. Dame Jay-Z. Oh, Florida, Florida, Florida. Florida. Um, all you black conservatives that were fans of Ron DeSantis, uh, whew, I don't know what do you what to say y'all now? New black black history history history. I don't know if you're a black conservative in Florida, and you were champion championing. Ron DeSantis against Disney. I was like, okay, it looks too good to be true, but okay. Okay. Can Kylie Russell update? Okay. Florida, new black hit. There we go. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Let's get to Florida real quick. And then we're going to get to uh, the black folk that helped Oppenheimer blow things up against Japanese people. All right. Florida. Okay. This is so jacked up. This is so jacked up. This is so jacked up. All right. New Florida standards teach students that some black people benefited from slavery because it taught useful skills. Part of the new African-American history standards approved Wednesday that were blasted by state teachers unions uh, as a step backwards. The Florida State Board of Education's new standards include controversial language about how slaves developed skills, which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. Oh, listen. They never sleep. They never take a day off. They never take a day off. They never, ever take a day off. Okay, let's continue. Uh, let's see. According to a 216-page document about the state's 2023 standards and social studies, other language that has drawn the ire of some educators and education advocates include includes teaching about how black people were also, uh-oh, Perpetrators of violence during race massacres. So all that Geechee Gullah wars out the window. 
right? Because you know Floridians love to, to brag about the Geechee Gullah Wars. No diss to Florida, the black Floridians. But y'all love bragging about the, the Geechee Gullah Wars. Like that's y'all only shining example. They about to wipe that shit out, out, out the books. They about to make y'all the aggressors in the Geechee Gullah Wars, right? That language says instruction includes acts of violence perpetrated against and by African-Americans, but is not limited to the 1906 Atlanta race riot, 1919 Washington, D.C. race riot, 1920 Okie uh, massacre, 1921 Tulsa massacre, and 1923 Rosewood massacre. They're going to make you guys the aggressors. They're going to say this is all your fault. Why white folk had to decimate you and wipe you out and, and destroy your towns. That's what they're going to basically be saying. Wow. How can our students ever be equipped for the future if they don't know, if they don't have a full, honest picture of where we've come from? Florida students deserve a world-class education that equips them to be successful adults who can help heal our nation's divisions rather than deepen them. This is terrible. Diversity is under attack. What do we do? Students sending a clear message. Terrible. If our education is being mandated out of the classrooms, they're going to walk out of the classroom. Ben Braver organized the University of South Florida's walkout, saying Governor Ron DeSantis has been attacking education here in Florida. We, as the students of this state, the ones who go to these great colleges, right, we care about diversity in our education. We care about engaging with all ideas. Hundreds of students wrote signs, spoke their minds, and stood in solidarity. One, I want the state to know that we, as students, care about the education we're receiving. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Just like Ben said, we want diverse thought. We want freedom of education. These things are really, really important to us, and we're not going to back down until we have them. Some uh -huh. professors ended class early. Others came to be a part of the walkout. All right, well, it's already done. Y'all can do what y'all want. Protest, walkout, it's already, it's a done deal. Signed, sealed, delivered. It's been stamped. There's nothing you can do at this point. Literally 30 days ago, we were championing, we were championing Ron DeSantis for taking away Disney's state sovereign tax um, protection, right? Oh, yeah, DeSantis against Disney. Oh, we're, we're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, he's getting rid of cr critical race theory. All right, cool, cool, cool. And then they slipped this in on the, on the, back, in the back door. All right, if y'all still think this system is going to give you a fair shake or do what's, the, what's best for you, hey, man, who am I to tell y'all anything? Now, I go see Oppenheimer in four hours. It is a three-hour movie. I, I do enjoy history movies. Um, okay. Oh, yes. Uh... Or Orlando Thompson. Thank you for the five on the cash up. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I didn't forget you. I didn't forget you. Now let's get to it. Um, I'm looking forward to this movie. Christopher Nolan really can't do anything anything wrong per se in his movies. But I knew growing growing up there were I knew of only two black scientists that helped on the Manhattan Project. I didn't know there were fifteen. Fifteen. We're going to cover all of them. We're going to go over all 15 of these brilliant people that helped this man blow up Asian people. Okay, let's get into it. Harold Delaney. I knew of this guy and Harold B. Evans are the only two that I knew work on this project. 
So I don't expect Christopher Nolan to do the right thing and showcase the brilliance of the melanated folks that helped get them over the hump to create for the Trinity test, to create the atom bomb with nuclear fission or fusion, 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 not fission, fusion, the splitting of atoms, not, not combining atoms together at a high rate of speed. Not that fusion. We split it. We split it and release the energy. All right. Harold Delaney, Philadelphia worked as a chemist during the Manhattan project at the university of Chicago's metallurgical laboratory known as met lab. Okay. Let's continue. Let's get into it. Earned a bachelor's degree and a master's degree from Howard university in the early 1940s. After the war, Delaney taught at Morgan state in Baltimore from 1948 until 1969 and finished his doctorate in chemistry at Howard university. Okay. Harold B Evans of Brazil, Indiana worked as a junior chemist during the Manhattan project at the Chicago met lab earned his bachelor's and master's uh, from Michigan state university before being hired onto the met lab in 1943. After the war, he researched chemical reactions of radioactive elements of, at the Argonne national laboratory. And matter of fact, all these guys helped Oppenheimer write letters to the army to not use the very thing they created to blow things up. Make it make sense. Maybe they didn't know what, it, what they were building or they're going to use it for. I don't know, but they all wrote letters begging the president and the army to not use the very thing they were brought in to build. Let's continue. James Ford lab assistant at the Nash garage building at Columbia university during the Manhattan project. He was the only African American working in the building during the project. Ford was hired onto the project in 1944 by the union carbide and carbon company to clean test tubes as scientists worked to develop the gaseous diffusion process. He told the atomic heritage foundation that he was laid off after the war while the white scientists working in the building were transferred to Los Alamos, New Mexico. Uh Oh, we got some sisters. Who's it? Who's these? Who's these? Okay, that's not them. Okay. He went to Brooklyn College and began working at the Columbia Broadcasting System, later earning his master's degree in public administration. He served as director of health services for San Diego uh, County and worked with several local organizations to help improve minority and low income health care. Okay. Ralph Gardner Chavis. Cleveland, Ohio, worked as a chemist at the University of Chicago's Met Lab during the Manhattan Project. After earning a bachelor's in chemistry from the University of Illinois, Gardner Chavis began working as a research assistant in the Chicago Met Lab in 1943. He worked closely with European refugee Enrico Fermi, who created the world's first nuclear reactor. There's nothing that built on this planet that didn't involve black folk. Nothing. Let's continue. Gardner Chavis's plutonium research was used to develop the fat man atomic bomb fat man and little boy were the names Hiroshima and Nagasaki fat man and little boy the matter of fact they made a movie years ago Paul Newman called fat man and little boy he spent two years waiting tables after the Manhattan project be, uh, before becoming a research chemist and project leader for Stan- standard oil in his hometown He earned his master's degree and doctorate from Case Western Reserve University while he worked there. Okay. 
Jasper Jeffries of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, worked as a physicist at the University of Chicago Met Lab from 1943 to 1946. Jeffries earned his bachelor's degree at West Virginia State College and a master's in physical sciences at the University of Chicago. Jeffries was one of 70 scientists and workers at the Met Lab to sign the Zidler petition. This is the petition yeah, asking President Harry Truman not to drop the atomic bomb on Japan without first demonstrating its power. Okay, let's continue. Uh, after the war, Jeffries taught physics at North Carolina, uh, North Carolina A&T and worked as an engineer for the Control Instrument Company. He later taught mathematics at Westchester Community College. Lawrence Knox of New Bedford, Massachusetts, worked as a chemist at Columbia uh, University's Division of War Research during the Manhattan Project. He earned his bachelor's degree in chemistry from Bates College and went on to earn a master's degree from Stanford University and a doctorate in organic chemistry from Harvard. Can you say smart? Can you say brainiac? Brainiac. This man's a brainiac. Let's continue. Between degrees, he taught at Morehouse College, North Carolina A&T and North Carolina College. According to the Chemical Heritage Foundation, Knox got involved with the Manhattan Project when he was helping the Division of War Research develop the malaria drug quinine. His quinine research was used to study effects of atomic bomb explosions. After the war, Knox earned four patents in three years working at uh, Nopco Chemist. He went on to become the resident director at the Hickrill Chemical Research Foundation and eventually moved to Mexico City to work at the Laboratorio Syntex SA. This man's a genius. Lawrence Knox. Let's keep it going. The older brother, William Jacob Knox, worked as a chemist at Columbia University during the Manhattan Project. He earned his undergraduate degree at Harvard and went on to earn his master's degree and doctorate from Mass MIT. MIT. Like his brother, he also taught chemistry at uh, NCAT before becoming the chemist uh, chemistry department chair at Talladega College. He joined the Manhattan Project in 1943 to research using uranium hexafluoride gas to separate uranium isotope. Before the war ended, he was named head of the corrosion section. These are brilliant, brilliant men. After the war, Knox worked for Eastman Kodak and became active in the civil rights movement. He helped found the Rochester Urban League and established minority scholarships. These are brilliant. Oh, we got a sister. Oh, what? Gotta give the sister some shine. Blanche Lawrence worked as a research assistant in the Chicago Met Labs Health Division. Lawrence received her bachelor's degree from Tuskegee. She was the widow of Tuskegee Airman Captain Erwin Lawrence of the 99th Pursuit Squadron who died on a uh, strafing mission over an enemy airfield in, near Athens, Greece. Okay. After the war, she continued to serve the country as a technician at Argonne National Laboratory. She became a junior biochemist within four years of beginning work there. Okay. Okay. Samuel Massey Jr., Little Rock, Arkansas, worked as a chemist at Iowa State University's Ames Laboratory during the Manhattan Project. He applied to the University of Kansas after junior college, but was denied because of his race. 
He instead uh, went to Arkansas Agricultural, Mechanical, and Normal College, now University of Arkansas campus, and graduated summa cum laude with a bachelor's in chemistry. Listen, the science of STEM has always been our best friend. STEM has always been our best friend. The most brilliant of minds of minds of black folk have always been involved in STEM. That has never changed. It's never changed. Let's continue. He earned his master's in chemistry from Fisk, uh, went on to complete his PhD at Iowa State, uh, then began working as a research assistant to Manhattan Project consultant Henry Gilman. After the war, Massey finished his doctorate and went on to teach chemistry at Langston University in Oklahoma, where he became the chemistry department chair. He later taught in and taught in and chaired the chemistry department at Fisk University, too. Uh, Massey served as the president of North Carolina College in 1966. Uh, president Lyndon B. Johnson appointed him as the first African-American professor to serve at the United States Naval Academy. Wow. In his honor, the Department of Energy created the Samuel P. Massey Chairs of Excellence program for African-American students in 1993. All right. Come on. Another sister. We got another sister. Carolyn Baker uh, Parker, sorry. Carolyn Beatrice Parker worked as a physicist. Oof, she got a big brain. On the Dayton Project, which was part of the Manhattan Project, the Dayton Project was a research and development project to produce polonium during World War II as part of the larger Manhattan Project to build the first atomic bombs. Parker earned her bachelor's degree from Fisk in 1938 and went on to receive her master's in mathematics. Oof from the University of Michigan before joining the Manhattan Project in Dayton, Ohio. Her work involved polonium separation and used for the detonation of the bomb. She earned a second master's degree in physics at MIT. Listen, black people have gotten dumber. This, I don't even, I, don't, I hate saying this, but clearly from the 1940s to now, black people have gotten dumber. These are brilliant minds. Nobody's kids wants to go to, to MIT for chemistry, mathematics, physics. Oh, my God. This is this is sad. Let's continue. Let's continue. Uh, Parker died of leukemia at age 47 while working toward her doctorate. In 2008, the National Institution for Occupational Safety and Health determined the disease was an occupational risk of working with polonium. Ah, the irony, the irony. Edwin Russell. Edwin Roberts Russell of Columbia, South Carolina, worked as a chemist at the University of Chicago's Met Lab during the Manhattan Project. Russell earned a bachelor's degree from Benedict College in 1935 and a master's degree in chemistry from Howard University in 1937, where he served as a chemist assistant and instructor until 1942. He moved to the University of Chicago the same year to pursue his doctorate in surface chemistry and joined the Manhattan Project at the Met Lab researching the extraction of plutonium-239 from uranium. After the war, Russell went on to serve as the science division chairman at Allen University in his hometown. He later worked as a research chemist at the Savannah River Nuclear Laboratory, earning 11 patents for his atomic energy processes. Upon his death in 96, South Carolina legislator passed a resolution declaring him one of South Carolina's ablest and most distinguished leaders. Boy, we have regressed as a people. We have regressed as a people. 
<laughs> hey, there you go, Big Pontiac. Yeah. <laughs> hey, MIT is MIT is, is with the was with the shits. Yes. A lot of nefarious stuff at MIT. But let's continue. Let's continue. Lloyd, Lloyd Quarterman, uh, during the Manhattan Project, Lloyd Quarterman of Philadelphia worked as a junior chemist uh, with Fermi, Enrico Fermi, at Columbia University at the University of Chicago Met Lab. He earned his bachelor's degree at St. Augustine's College in 1943 and was quickly recruited to the Manhattan Project. In Chicago, Quarterman was part of the team of scientists who isolated the uranium isotope necessary for fission and the creation of the atomic bomb. After the war, Quarterman went on to earn his master's degree in science from Northwestern University and then went to work at the Argonne National Laboratory. He continued studying fluoride solutions and developed a corrosion-resistant diamond window through which it was possible to study hydrogen fluoride's complex molecular structure. In the years before his death, he began preliminary research into blood substitutes of uh, perfluorocarbons. Okay. Madi Taylor of Nymph, Alabama, worked as a chemist at the University of Chicago Met Lab during the Manhattan Project. He earned a bachelor's degree in chemistry from Lincoln University in 1935, where he was the valedictorian of his class and graduated summa cum laude. He taught chemistry there until 1939 when he began graduate school at the University of Chicago. He earned his master's and doctorate degrees there before joining the Manhattan Project as an associate chemist. God damn, just an associate? His main research was focused on the chemical properties of rare earth metals. 1946 Secretary of War Robert Patterson awarded Taylor a certificate of merit for his research and contributions to the Manhattan Project. After the war, Taylor became a professor at Howard and chaired the chemistry department there. In 1956, Taylor received a grant from the American Academy of Arts and Sciences to continue his research in acid-based studies of disassociation in gases and gaseous systems. Four years later, he published a textbook titled First Principles of Chemistry, which has been used in colleges around the country. Taylor was selected by the Manufacturing Chemist Association as one of the nation's six top college chemistry professors and earned the honor scroll from the Washington Institute of Chemists for his research and teaching in 1972. These are brilliant people. These are brilliant, brilliant people. Find me a group of people, of black people in 2023, this brilliant. Find them for me. Point them to me. Please. George Sherman Carter, Gloucester, Gloucester County, Virginia, was hired on to the Manhattan Project in 1943 to work as a physicist at Columbia University. He previously earned his bachelor's degrees in biology from Lincoln University in 1940 and went on to study at Columbia University Teachers College. At Columbia, he studied nuclear fission under Nobel laureate Isidore Rabi, a Polish immigrant scientist credited with discovering nuclear magnetic resonance. Benjamin Franklin Scott of Florence, South Carolina, worked as a chemist at the University of Chicago's Met Lab during the Manhattan Project. Before he joined the project, he earned his bachelor's degree at Morehouse College. At the Met Lab, Scott worked in the instrumentation and measurement section. After the war, he worked on the production of Geiger counters while finishing his master's degree at the University of Chicago. Soon after, he was hired onto the nuclear instrument company as a radio chemist. He later became a technical director for the New England Nuclear Assay Corp. in Boston. Brilliance. There is no Oppenheimer without these 15 men and women. Cheesy Pete. 
Jeezy Peach, please find me a group of blacks, anything close to this in 2023. And I don't mean it as a slight. I don't mean it as a slight, but this is just sheer excellence. Sheer excellence. All right. No, they're, no, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. Stop. Please don't don't dare compare us to these old heads. <laughs> these old heads, super brilliant. Super brilliant. Super brilliant. All right. Super brilliant. You ain't seen nothing this close since then. All right. Don't get me the dude that created the super soaker. Don't do Don't give me that. No, 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 no. <laughs> The super soaker creation compel nothing. Do you understand? Like, nah. All right. That was the 15 men and women, black men and women that helped contribute to the Manhattan Project that I'm more than sure will not be featured nor mentioned in Oppenheimer, uh, the Oppenheimer movie uh, by Christopher Nolan. I'm going to go see it in about four hours. So, um, but I don't expect our people to get their shine. This is not about them. It's about Oppenheimer and his journey to get it built and how they did him dirty the government afterwards. Cause he had a change of heart after he saw what they did to Hiroshima and Nagasaki kind of, he was a leftist progressive, you know, it, come on, man. It's the government, bro. What are you going to do? Anywho, that's my, that's all I got for you today. Um, sometime tonight I will, watch the clone tyrone do a breakdown for you guys tomorrow um other than that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i don't expect much many black folk to be in this movie I, I just don't and once again me growing up i only knew of two of them which was the first two i didn't know there were 15 people involved in this and which is better late than never you know but please don't ever think um today's black folk can compare to the brilliance of yesteryear's black folk it's it's levels night and day i mean we were a an extremely extremely brilliant people you know but it is what it is all right y'all have a good one peace